Welcome to Equosity, the podcast about all things equine, with a special emphasis on the horse-human bond. My name is Alexandra Kurland. I'm the author of Clicker Training for Your Horse and other books and DVDs on clicker training. And I'm joined by Dominique Day, one of the co-founders of Cavalia. In our last podcast, we started out by talking about observational learning. One thing led to another, which led to another, and we ended up introducing George Lakoff's work on framing and metaphors. We were just about to launch into an explanation of his work and how it's relevant to horse training, and I thought that was a good place to end the podcast. So we're going to jump right back into the conversation and pick up with an explanation of his work and why I have found it so very relevant to understanding what we see going on in the horse world. So, so George Lakoff is a cognitive linguist, which is when I first saw that, it's like, okay, what does that mean? I was reading his work in... 2016, the year of the presidential elections. And no, we're not going to let this go into politics so people can still be listening. But but basically, I was very puzzled. And and I'm still puzzled. And I think we're all puzzled, you know, in this in the US that there, there are a lot of divisions. And there are times when you think, how could anybody possibly believe fill in the blank? Or how could anyone possibly support fill in the blank? And, you know, of course, the elections, uh, the November elections are just around the corner. So this is this is definitely uh, something that is relevant to many of us of how could anybody possibly support fill in the blank? And so I was really puzzled. And I, I, I was about to say I stumbled across, but I didn't. Uh, uh, it came from Anita Snay, who's a, uh, she attends the Arkansas Clinic. She's a Feldenkrais practitioner. And she comes up with some really fascinating resources. And she was the one that pointed me in the direction of, of the Lakoff work. And I read a couple of his books. One of them, the title I think is Don't Think About the Elephant, mm. something like that. And what he was trying to do was explain the the divide between conservative thinking and progressive thinking and where this comes from and he was looking at metaphors and metaphor I love metaphors I use metaphors a lot in my teaching and Lakoff was looking at metaphors and how they very much shape how we think and that they're formed very early on so for example when you talk about somebody who's very warm-hearted or a cold relationship, uh, that we use temperature to describe relationship. Where does this come from? Why is temperature linked with relationship? And what Lakoff would say was that when you were an infant and your mother held you, you felt both the warmth, the physical warmth, and the relationship, the, the caring, the love, the, the comfort of being held. And so temperature 
and that those emotional feelings got linked together. And there are a whole series of these where he he explains where the where the links in these very early experiences, and they're so early that you're not really even aware of them. And one of the earliest models of being governed comes from your fam from the family structure. So when we look at some of the language that's used regarding sort of how we view government or or the country, we we talk about his examples would be we you send your sons and daughters to war or you have the motherland or the fatherland. These are all family references, family metaphors, and that they evolve early on because we're, our, the earliest experience of being governed comes within the family. And so he was looking at two models of family structure. One was the strict father and the other was the nurturing parent. And in the strict father model, he was describing the various characteristics that go along with that. And that one of the, in the strict father model, the father is the absolute authority and that the underlying belief is that the world is a difficult and dangerous and competitive place. And in order to thrive in such a world, you need to be very, here's the word you were using, very disciplined, and that it is not just uh, okay for the parents to be punishing, but it's really their duty to punish the children so that they become disciplined. Better prepared. Better prepared for this difficult and challenging world. Yeah. So a loving, a loving, it's part of a loving father's education to discipline but in the in this mindset it means to punish right their um their children yes and when i read his description i thought oh my goodness you could substitute trainer for father and come up with a traditional a, training traditional force-based command-based training whereas and, the the nurturing mother model well, the nurturing parent. So nurturing the, parent, so, yeah, right. rather. Yeah. And, and so in the, in the strict father, it's, it is very patriarchal. Mm. It's very hierarchical. Yeah. In the nurturing parent, it's more gender neutral. And it's, it's more based more on empathy. And so you, you ta you're taking the hierarchy out and you are nurturing and developing empathy in encouraging the children right not correcting right and so when i started looking at these two models and i'm thinking well this this very much relates to the horse world there's there's such a parallel with the horse world and most of us have been exposed to both models so even if you had for example even if your parents were very much adherents of the strict father paradigm. You would have been exposed through stories, through your friends. You would have been ex uh, through television, through movies. You would have been exposed to the nurturing parent model as well. So we can relate to both models. But within the strict father model, 
one of the things that is fairly clear is that if you have a belief system that is other, it is very threatening to the authority of the strict father figure. And so that person, that you have to push against and resist and anything that sits outside of your belief system. And so part of what was so profound for me was, oh my goodness, this is the explanation of why there's so many sharks out there. And by which I mean, at, at clinics, there's always, when we, when on Friday night, when we all get together at the start of the clinic and we go around the circle and people introduce themselves, there's almost always one, at least one person, if not several people, who are boarding and who will say, well, when I clicker train, I have to wait for everybody else to be out of the barn because they attack me so. They uh, tell me that I'm wrong and that I shouldn't be doing this. And there have been people who've said if they, who've been told that if they're going to clicker train, they're going to have to uh, leave the barn. And you think, what difference does it make? You know, especially when you're thinking about some of these big boarding barns. What difference does it make if you're down in with your horse at the far end of the barn feeding it carrots? Mm. Why should anybody care? It's threatening to the uh, the model. Yes, yeah. exactly. And it was like, oh my goodness, that this helps to explain, in part, why you know we we put up on the internet videos show, that we're proud of that we show, you know, oh look what my horse is doing, and the next thing you know, you're getting attacked from all directions. There was something else that I thought was really interesting when I read this, and that helped me accept better that different people have different point of views. It was that even if there's facts and data to prove something outside of your model, if you're coming from this model, you will, this data will not register. Yes. It's, you will ignore it. It will just, you don't, you, you will, your filters will put it aside. Yes. So it doesn't matter. For me, you know, it was always that, well, you know, science is the most objective thing we've got. It may not be perfect because it's evolving all the time, but why would anyone uh, not, take in this what science has to offer and I understand now why because of the Lakoff work because for some people it's what the science says is contrary to their belief in the model that they adhere right. to and so they cannot take it into account even if the facts are there right and what are facts after all so one one of the ways that I've always described this is we attract that which supports our underlying belief system. Yep. Yes. So if, if we believe that horses are stupid animals, stubborn animals, we will see lots of evidence to support that belief system. If I have as my underlying belief system that horses are intelligent animals with a rich emotional life, I will attract lots of evidence to support that belief system. And I think that's why it's so important to really 
recognize what your belief systems are. Yep. If you believe that women uh, are not capable of doing the same job as a man and should be should stay in the home, you will attract lots of evidence to support that belief system. And hopefully, most of us have shifted our frame and we have a very different belief system and we draw to us a lot of evidence to support the some, the contrary. Mm-hmm. So we have to really be aware of our biases. So whenever we're looking at anything, when we're reading uh, something on Facebook, when we're reading a scientific paper, when we are watching horses being trained, when we're looking at a video, you know, when we're listening to this podcast, we need to be aware of what our biases are. That's why when I said with the Lakoff works, this wasn't about political discussion. It was, it just helped me to understand why we often find ourselves splitting off in two different directions. And you know what that did for me? What? I stopped trying to convince people who were not sharing my beliefs and value. I just stopped. And it's so, you know, it's tiring trying to convince someone who just doesn't share your values. And when you stop doing that, for me anyway, it was a big relief, you know? Yeah. What's the word you use in English? Um, Like kind spirit or... um, Kindred spirits. Kindred spirits, you know? Yes. And so... That's, for me, it's, it, it's a big realization, and I like to share my time with people who share my values, and I can accept that there are other peoples with different values, and I'm not trying anymore. It's just there's yeah. people like us do it like this, and that's what I want. I think there's a lot of scientific information that makes me feel good about it. Yes. Um, and probably, you know, I'm coming from that nurturing parent model. That's what I want. And so I go and get all the information I get that works with that model. Yes. You, and you attract, you attract that which supports that underlying belief system, that model. And, and when I'm in my boarding barn, I can recognize that some people may not be coming from the same values that I am. Right. And then right. there's all the interpretation, you know, again, I mean, we're observing the same horse and someone will say something so different that you would think we're not looking at the same horse yes. or a trainer. Yes. And when you, when you understand something about the, the, the frames, you go, oh, isn't that, isn't that fascinating how it can be the same event and it's as though we are truly in two different dimensions watching two different animals performing. And it is, it's both liberating and I think liberating is a good word when you can let go of some of the need to push against yeah. what somebody else is doing. Because you're not going to change it. Nope. The more you push, it's, the more you push against what somebody else is doing, the more entrenched they become. Nobody wants to be told they're doing something wrong. Yeah. Nobody wants to be told they're uh, being abusive to their horse. No. Nobody wants to be told these things because most people I know who are in the horse world are passionate and they love horses. Absolutely. We don't see eye to eye on everything, but they all use. I don't know of a lot of people who went into the horse world to beat horses up. No. They all 
went into the horse world because they love the yes. animal. There's something about horses that just draws them in. And so if I if I start pushing against what they're doing, that doesn't open doors, that slams doors closed. That's right. But you can inspire. Yeah. If you can find something where we can share a frame in some way, because we can all relate to both frames, both, you know, these different frames of reference, because it's not it's not so black and white of their only two frames, but because we can relate. No, and culture culture changes. You know, what is acceptable socially is constantly evolving. Yes. I mean, um, you know, I'm sure discussions about slavery within those two models um, 200 years ago are not right. the same within those two models today. Right. So culture changes, and that's, that's how culture actually changes probably the most rapidly is when people are inspired. Yes. And, um, and what I always found, and this was from the very beginning, always thought of my first book, Clicker Training for Your Horse, as a space beacon. You know, NASA, when they send satellites out into the into space, they're sending out, often they're, they're sending out what is essentially a space beacon that's saying, we're here, is anybody else out there? You know, we're looking mm. for, is there intelligent life out there in the universe somewhere? And, and I think of it very much like that as a space beacon of saying, I'm here, is there anyone else out there who thinks about horses in the way that I do? Because I'd love to I'd love to talk to you. I'd love to meet you. And what I've discovered is, of course, there are thousands of people who think about horses in a way that is very compatible with the way that I think about horses. And I've been incredibly lucky that I've gotten to meet a great many of them and have wonderful conversations. And to a very real extent, this is what the Equosity podcast. This is what they are for both of us. They're, they are another form of space beacon where we're saying, we're here. Is anyone else out there who'd like to come and, and share in conversations? And we don't have to talk to the entire world. There, there are going to be people who listen to some of the things we've said, you know, where we talk about giving horses choice and letting them say no and all these other things that we talk about in the podcast where they'll be going, this is, this is just, this is just terrible. This will create chaos. This is not how horses should be. And, and that's fine. You know, it's funny though, because when you read what the, some of the, um, cause there's, there's all these, um, I don't know how you call them in English, but all these very, these writings about equity, about writing. Yes. That date back to before Christ. And in, in some of those writings already, you know, there's a lot of talk about making a partner with your horse. Yes. But, you know, I'm thinking horse riding has been developed for centuries and so traditional horse training has a very, very deep tradition. Yes. Clicker training with horses is what? You started doing, you were a pioneer. You started this 20, 25 years ago. Can you imagine what the conversations are going to be like in 200 years? I know. Where I people know. like us develop the skills and knowledge over all those years 
Now that's going to be interesting. Yes. yes. Because it's this is all pretty new. You know, we're so we're we're trying to wrap our head around it. We're developing our skills, but it's not like we've been doing it for 800 years. No. But when we do, when we when we add all these years of experience and wow. I mean, I'd like to be a horse in that era. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're very philosophical today. I guess we are, but that's all right. I guess today is about sending out space beacons because that's really, for me, that's a huge part of what this is. And it's about really inviting people to come and join in conversations. And speaking of inviting people to come and join in conversations, I think this is a good place to sort of wind up for today and to remind people that we have a webinar coming up with Dr. Jesus Rosales Ruiz from the University of North Texas. And he, yes. this will be the third webinar that we've done with him. It's going to be November 11th at 1.30 Eastern time. And he's so far, the two webinars that Jesus has done have just been phenomenal absolutely phenomenal well they've triggered some really interesting discussions which i think are going to really help us advance in our knowledge and our our actual training because yes. i mean there are a couple of things already that has been brought up that we need to continue with discussing with him so he can give us more nuances and help us in, interpret it um as accurately as possible yes I mean, there was, we, just to maybe tease people a okay. little bit. Okay. Yeah, so there was this, this experiment that uh, he talked about with um, a rat and a syringe in which um, alcohol was put. And there were no cues in the environment to signal when there would be alcohol in the syringe. And alcohol is something that apparently rats hate. Yeah, they don't the like rats it. don't like, right. But because there was not a cue, not something attached in the environment to signal that there would be alcohol, the the rat never learned to avoid the the syringe. Yes. And that triggered a lot of discussion because, you know, we've been talking a lot about the poison cue and a big part of the poison cue is uncertainty. When sometimes something will mean good outcomes and sometimes it will mean a bad outcome, a correction. And that's when things become poison because the animal never knows which one it's going to be. And so people who have attended the webinar asked the question, which I thought was very interesting, why, if it's not certain whether the syringe will have alcohol in it or not, why has it not been poisoned? And um, so that's something we'll want to discuss. And as a matter of fact, I reached out to Mary Hunter, who's working with uh, Jesus and has a, a, a lot of... Um, interesting, a very interesting website called Stealth Cheerios. And Mary will be posting soon in the forum for those um, of our listeners who already have access to the forum because they have attended the webinars in the past. 
she will be posting about it and we will continue the discussion about what's the difference between this experiment and a poison cue uh, situation. So that's one. Yes, and that's that's excellent because I remember seeing the videos that were taken of that rat during the experiments and it was it was fascinating. You look at it and go, oh my goodness, what is going on here? So I'm glad that Mary's going to jump in in the forum with that. Yeah, and I'm sure we'll I'm sure Jesus will will discuss yes. it and help us understand, you know, the nuances there cuz I think that's very important to understand. Yes. Yeah. And then of course there was the whole discussion about emotions which we had last week, you know, when when is it that the emotional state of your animal is embedded in um in your training? because there are times when we don't want it. But why is it that sometimes we start at a point where there's an emotional response and we click it and the intensity of that response is diminishing, which is what we want. Yes. So what's the difference, you know? When, when, is, when is the, emo when should we not click a situation in which the emotional response is not what we want and when is it okay to do it and when does it help to diminish that emotional response and redirect the horse or the animal right to right. something else right so that'll be interesting too if we if we have to wait for our animals to be calm in order to train in some situations, we may never be able to train. That's right. I certainly know that there that you can start with an animal that a horse that is in a distressed what we would call a distressed state, and shift it out of that through training. So that is going to bring up again the whole discussion about counter conditioning. <laughs> oh, we'll, yeah. Well, we'll with Jesus. I would never want to predict what it's going to bring up. Yeah. Well, we know we have those starting points and those questions. Right. But... Right. I have learned a long time ago not to try and predict what Jesus is going to to offer. But whatever it is, it will definitely make my head spin. You know what I what I find with Jesus is. He, he, he's hard work, you know, that, that he, he's, he's definitely hard work, that he really makes you think because what you thought you knew, what you thought you were expecting the answer to be, so you don't really have to pay attention because you already know the answer, is like, oh, 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 he's, he's turning everything inside out and outside, upside down, and, and he's making my head spin, and I really have to think about this, and i and I'm really glad that they're recording this webinar because I'm going to have to listen to it several times to really wrap my head around what he's no saying. Doubt. No but doubt. But <laughs> when I do, when I really get what he's been saying, what I'm going to find is that it makes me a better trainer. Oh, definitely. Because, I mean, it's not simple. No. And it's not, you know, just one answer fits all. I mean, there are all these nuances. And and this is when, you know, when something is not working quite the way we would have wanted it, this is where the kind of information that Jesus brings helps us fill the gaps, you know. Why is this not working? 
or why is this working? You know, it right. shouldn't be working and yet it's working. He helps us with, so yeah, he definitely makes us more knowledgeable and better trainers. We talked earlier, you know, we were making these comparisons between, we'll call it the traditional or the command-based training. And some of the trainers that I've encountered very early on were what I would call recipe trainers. Mm. So they had a formula, a procedure, a training program for the horses. So people would send the horse in for training and it would go through the program. And if it, it's like children in school. And we started out with observational learning and the people who say, oh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a good visual learner, but I'm not a I'm not a good kinesthetic learner or vice versa, whatever it is. You have these different learning styles. I'm not a good auditory learner, what, whatever it is. So you, if, you, if you're one of those children who fits how information is being taught in school, you do well. Right. You score well on tests, you do well. But if, you've, if your learning style is different from the way the information is being presented, you struggle. And, and that's the same with the horses. If you can figure out, if you're good at figuring out what the person wants and you figure out how to meet the expectations, you get along and you do well and the trainer presents a trained horse at the end of the process. But if you're one of those horses that maybe because of some physical issue, you can't really do what the trainer is asking, and you don't fit the program, if the program is rigid, the horse fails. And what we're really looking for is flexibility. It's It has to be a study of one. That's a phrase that I've heard from Jesus and really he emphasizes it so magnificently. And the rat is always right and it's a study of one. That what we're looking for is flexibility in training. Not the kind of flexibility where, oh, I tried this and then I tried that and I, you know, tried this trainers and that trainer and then I tried something that was the polar opposite of that, where it's different philosophical base and you end up with a real muddle. But the the flexibility within a training system to address the individual needs of the learner and to present the learning process in a way that is understandable to the learner. It makes sense to the learner. But the principles, <clears throat> it's important to understand the principles right. which which are universals. Yes. Because the principles of learning, and, and this is also where there's a difference between someone who just applies a recipe and someone who understands the principle. And when you understand the principles, then you can be flexible with your learning. That's right. That's right. And, you know, we, so I've, we sort of have ended this podcast because we were talking about Jesus's upcoming <laughs> we're webinar. We're restarting the we, And we restarted it. So, you know, I said when we get together, it's a nonstop conversation and this proves it. So, yeah, what people don't know is, is that we talk for an hour and a half before the podcast started. Right, right, right. So, but I think we really should end but what we might say is that in an upcoming podcast, we should talk about what some of those underlying principles are. Because I always, you know, when I have a training problem, I go 
not to the level of methods. I go to the level of principles. How do the principles help me to solve a problem? And I think that would be a great topic for a podcast. But that's also what Jesus gives us in the webinars. He gives us principles so that we can then be flexible and apply it to the one individual in front of us. Yes, yes, that's right. And that, that's why I say that, what, that you know, Jesus can be hard work because he's, he's stretching us. He's, he's not being complacent and letting us stay with, you know, just a superficial understanding right. of behavioral analysis. He's really stretching but us. But enriching us immensely. And enriching us yeah. and really helping us to be better trainers. Yeah. And so if anyone wants to join us, because this is our space beacon, and the fun thing about the webinars is, particularly when you attend them live, you can ask questions, you can jump into the conversation. And so again, the, the webinar is November 11th, 2018. It's at 1.30 Eastern time. We will be recording it. So if you can't attend the live event, you can still listen to it. And even if you attend the live event, you'll want to listen to it two, three times at least. Yes, you'll want to listen to it again. So if you want to register, if you want more information, you go to equosity.com, our website. So that's equosity.com. And uh, up until the time of the of the webinar, we have an early bird price for it. When you when you register, you uh, gain access to the recording, and you also gain access to the forum if you want. If there are questions that you have that you want to follow up on, or just join the discussion and and become. Uh, connected to other people who enjoy the same kind of conversations. So we're going to we're we're going to we're actually going to end the podcast here and in say until next time, have fun. Bye. Bye. <laughs>